21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. I'm sitting here with my colleagues, Jamie House and John Davidson. This is actually the second time we're recording because I thought I hit the record button the first time and we realized 14 minutes into the episode, I had failed to hit it properly. There was some good stuff that we were talking about, but we're just going to continue the discussion. But before we do that, a little backstory into what the GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series is all about. It's about teachers sharing best practice, their recent professional learning, whatever resonates the most with them that they're trying out in the classroom, and anything related to their learning in general. So that's why we wanted to have Jamie House on the show. He's a new teacher to GES this year. He's got an interesting backstory, and uh, we're going to jump right into it, Jamie, and have you talk about uh, your journey in education and what led you here to Coast. Okay. So I'm originally from Manitoba, Canada, and uh, I didn't start off in teaching. I, uh, I started off as, a, I guess my first career was uh, as a design drafts person. I, I worked in a company that overhauled gas turbine engines, and my job as like a junior drafts person was to help, help engineers make drawings for, for tooling and um, to assist with unique processes that were going on in that company. Um, it's kind of a cool job, but I've always wanted to go into teaching. So um, I left that career and um, did my first degree in PE or physical education and mm-hmm. history and uh, at University of Manitoba. At the University of Manitoba, yeah. and um, before going to the Faculty of Education, I took about a year and a half off, and I went overseas and taught ESL in Taiwan, and. Um, how long was that for? Just for a year and a half. Okay. Um, could have been longer, but it was kind of time to go back home and go, I guess, uh, credentialize into a more professional teaching. Right. And uh, I did two years at the University of Manitoba in the Faculty of Education. And at a job fair, um, I was approached by two recruiters who were representing a Manitoba curriculum school in just outside of Cairo, Egypt. And... Uh, happened pretty quickly. Um, I ended up getting a grade six position at the school, and um, so was that a big leap for you to be able to just pack it, pack it in? I mean, you'd already been to Taiwan, but were you excited to leave? Were you apprehensive? Were you unsure? Were you like jumping feet first into the experience? Yeah, I'd say feet first. Um, I was more apprehensive about staying at home and. Uh, I think fighting for a teaching job against my classmates and um, terming it out, like doing teaching terms and for three or four years before getting a full-time position. So it seemed very inviting for me just to go to Egypt. And it's, uh, it's an exotic place that I've, I've uh, always thought about visiting. And it just seemed like it was a really easy choice for me. 
and I still have that travel bug. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I was um, I mentioned in the first take that Neil and I had experienced the same thing in regards to leaving university. We went to the University of Windsor in Ontario and then um, had an opportunity to go to Japan and uh, we were just going to stay six months and we ended up staying three years teaching ESL. We loved our jobs, but we knew that if we were going to stay in the field of education, we had to get our proper teaching credentials. So like you, we returned back, and Neela was actually a nurse, so she was going back to get her nursing, uh, to do the nursing board exams, and then I did did my teacher training, and then we went back to Japan and worked at an international school. So uh, I can really connect with that story. But from Egypt, um, you ended up going to? I went to southern China in Guangzhou at uh, Clifford International School for two years, which is also a Manitoba curriculum school. And then uh, after two years there, I broke into a PYP school or an IV school um, in South Korea on Jeju Island, uh, Bring Some Hall Asia. Right. Spent four years there, uh, four happy years. It was a really cool place to live. Um, but again, we always look forward for more experiences. Uh, uh, I uh, went to the London Job Fair, the Search Associates Fair, and um, you know, long weekend short, uh, uh, ended up at Kaust. And this is your first year. And what's interesting here, so we're going to move into your inquiry, but um, John is the PYP coordinator at the school. And for those teachers listening that are unfamiliar with um, what a professional inquiry is, John, can you just kind of share in a nutshell what, what a professional inquiry is and what we're striving to do here at, at Coast. Yeah, I mean, um, Andy and I were um, on a course today and the, it was re-emphasized to us that what we're trying to grow here is not a um, performance management system, but it's a growth manage- management system. So what we, what we require of teachers is to come in and grow. Um, and that's very different from some sort of tick list of performance criteria. Um, it is an inquiry into how you can become a more effective teacher. And it's as open as that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very self-authoring, you know, in, in the sense that the teacher can kind of identify an area that they want to work on and and then they, they develop that area throughout the year. Um, so that's kind of what you're here to talk about today. So why don't you jump into... Um, your experience in setting your professional inquiry and the direction that it ultimately ended up going at this point. Yeah, so again, to backtrack a bit, um, it was really appealing for me to come to the school because of that, that I'd be uh, evaluated on my growth or my intention towards growth, mm-hmm. as opposed to my performance with whatever you know framework that performance may be judged in. Um, and I know that uh, there's a lot of talk that education needs to shift towards um, the buzz, the buzz term, 21st century learning. And I do think that when you have a faculty of, of, of teachers who are pursuing this growth and keeping it relevant and meaningful, um, you have this diverse professional culture of learning that really uh, moves the school forward. So. Um, so that's the reason why I chose the school, or the school chose me, and whatever, mm-hmm. however it worked out. Um, but uh, so my professional inquiry is um, 
it's about supporting students with the approaches to learning. Um, so, but also within uh, the context of, of agent student agency, um, so that um, there's student buy-in and and the, but they're they are supported. We're not just letting them, you know, learn on their own or. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a really thought-out approach to how to scaffold for that. Yeah, and yeah. just for those listening that are not familiar with the IB system or the PYP or MYP, the approaches to learning are um, a set of skills broken into five different areas. John, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the approaches to learning? Well, um, they used to be called the transdisciplinary skills in the PYP, um, and they were five sets of, of skills and dispositions uh, that... Uh, transcend all the disciplines so that they are as the name says they're your, your approach to learning um, the PYP has taken on ATLs as the as the uh, name for what we call used to call transdisciplinary uh, skills and that ties neatly into the MYP and the DP so that throughout their years in our school students are actually taught and as Jane was saying Maybe sometimes you, you've got skills at the back of your head, but you don't actually let the kids in on the secret. You know, we're keeping it kind of as the untaught curriculum. Um, and what Jamie's experimenting with is getting it right out there and saying these are the transdisciplinary, these are the ATLs. This is what makes an effective learner. Let me teach you. Yeah, and it's it's their you know really important set of skills. I think there's 54, 55, or 56 of them, but they're broken into five different areas, self-management skills, social skills, communication skills, research skills, and thinking skills. So again, like John said, uh, the approach in the past has been they're just kind of embedded within the work that the kids do in the classroom, but you're making them explicit because they are tools for success. So speak more about how you're, how you're doing that and what you're kind of learning throughout this process. Uh, so, in in the the T three I was leading today, the, the teachers teach teachers. Yeah. Um, I was sharing um, that I I went to a Catherine Murdoch PD, and really she was sharing these uh, ten teaching practices for inquiry, or ten essential teaching practices for inquiry, and the one that I really latched onto to support my inquiry was. Uh, building assets or growing assets for learning in your classroom, which, um, which briefly I'll briefly s summarize it. It's it's about having a split screen approach to your teaching, where you are teaching um, the content side of it, but also on on the other side of that is uh, the process that they need to go through to get to achieve or to learn that content um, or concept or whatever. Um, so, or more of a, uh, what we need to know on the other side of it, how are we learning or how are we getting there? Um, so I was sharing today all these examples of um, scaffolds that we can embed throughout that uh, process of a lesson or a unit so that the students are reminded of, of, of how they need to to, to approach their learning mm -hmm. as for the TD skills or the approaches to learning and um, and uh, 
sharing in a classroom of 20 teachers or so or admin or, or, or whoever on how they would use those examples in, in, in a practical sense in their classroom. And it, you, we were talking about before that um, talk about the start of that process begins with, uh, I think you said input, then it moves to intake and output. Right. So speak to those three different areas. Yeah. So I was also sharing my schema for how uh, a good lesson would run and how that has evolved since I've come here. Um, uh, we were discuss- discussing the previous take how there's a lot to cover or, or we feel like there's a lot to cover. And um, so my, my schema for that in a more of a coverage-driven scheme would be um, an input, intake, output um, lesson model or unit model where the, the input is me modeling and sharing the criteria of what should they going to be assessed by and that's front loaded by the teacher where you know the bulk of the lesson will be the next phase the intake where uh, the students are experiencing and grappling with ideas and um, honing in their skills or, or building their understanding and knowledge and then the final phase of that lesson or unit or however series of lessons would be the output where they perform on a task and I was saying that this is, I had to shift away from that model to, um, because it's too coverage driven, it's too teacher driven, to more model where you start with an intake, where the, the students are uh, experiencing content or an experience, uh, like, they're experiencing first and grappling right. with the ideas before even talking about how they're gonna be assessed. And then, and then moving into input where the teacher with the students are reflecting on what criteria we need to learn about and how we're going to get there. Um, and then moving into that intake model again, where uh, uh, framed by the students who have hopefully bought in and have their curiosity stoked, mm-hmm. will have more of a meaningful inquiry that. Uh, is also significant to the growth as per the, the content or the outcomes that we um, that we're judging them by or assessing them by and but also that they're assessing themselves by and then moving into that output uh, phase where they're performing on a task but also have a very aware a process aware approach of um, of how they got there and they're self-assessing not just on the content they've learned, but also on their approach of, of getting there. Which is tied into the, the ATLs, yes. the approaches to learning again. Yeah. So um, we had talked about giving a, an example uh, in the first take. Uh, we talked about giving an example of what a mini success would look like in this experience. Um, so again, you're you're very, and you made this very clear that this is still very new to you, yeah. right? So you're learning as you go and refining and seeing what works and what doesn't. But at this point, what would a mini success look like in this inquiry? Um, I think the success, if I see the students are able, they have some kind of visual reference or scaffold to to look at to 
to help them or to refer to to help them regulate how they are approaching their learning. And that could be a video analysis of them working in groups or it can be, um, it can be uh, you know, a checklist or that or some kind of like we had this example of flip cards where they can um, they have criteria written on one side of the cards and once they don't need that reminder anymore they just flip it and they don't need to look at it anymore um, so they have this set of cards on the desk in front of them sure yeah, yeah. okay and uh, if if they truly are being independent in their inquiry and they've uh, their their approach or their approach is independent they, you would you would on the one side, those flip cards would be upside down. They wouldn't be, need to look at the criteria anymore. Um, and Which so that is would an be, assessment for you, an observational assessment for you as well, to see that they're they're on track. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's during that intake phase, I suppose. And but um, you know, so the output phase where they're performing on a task and they're reflecting on it, they should have a very strong sense of how to assess themselves on how they got there and you know where they started uh, skill wise versus what where they where they've grown and, and what what they are as a learner yeah. and uh, of course the big value of that is that those approaches to learning they will carry over into any uh, learning context that they'll have moving forward hopefully right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so I mean, one that springs to mind is time management yes yeah. <laughs> I might be a little bit older than those guys, but I could still do a bit of time management. <laughs> so, and like, what are you hoping as next steps? Um, what are you hoping to work on next based on what you've learned so far? So I'll probably, like, I'll hone in on a few practical approaches for that. And ideally what, to finish out the year, whatever routines or scaffolding routines, I share with them that that becomes uh, routine for them. And, uh, you know, the, the energy that I'm, that I would put into assessing them on how they are as learners, um, moves away from me and it goes on to them. And if I feel that even some of my, some of my students who don't have the greatest focus or, the best self-management or don't take the time to think more deeply or what have you. Um, if, if some of those students are utilizing those, those visual references or routines and they are focused and I'm just much more relaxed, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, then that would be a win for this year. Um, and then use that going forward as, as next right. year. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's great. And we, we mentioned that new teachers at Coast don't have to have an inquiry when they start. So it's been great to see kind of the evolution of, of your inquiry and, and what you've done with it and how serious you're taking it. Um, it's been really rewarding to see because that's what the process is all about and having teachers really find what it is they're not only um, 
an area that they feel they need to develop, but something, if it, if it connects with passions of theirs, it's, it becomes even more evident. And what we, we see, and we saw that today in your T3, this was something you're passionate about because you, came, you recently came back from Poland from Kath's workshop and you jumped right in to, to lead a session, you know, which was really valuable for, for teachers. And the session was packed. Um, so before we close off the show, um, where can people find you on Twitter and follow your, your journey? I can't remember my Twitter handle. I think it's Jamie R. House. Okay, um, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be the best place to find me. Yeah, and you are tweeting kind of bits and pieces of what you're doing. And well, so you tweet from Cat's Workshop. So. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to start doing that more. Um, usually things I'm tweeting are uh, readings that I, I try to have one reading a day kind of thing. Um, and it might not apply to my inquiry, but it, or it might. Um, and so uh, I used to, ha- I had a blog I need to get going again um, of content. Probably haven't added to it in like a year or so, but um this might be a good time to yeah, share to get, to yeah. get going with that. Um, yeah. But I, I do have I, I do have a blog with a lot of stuff that I've thought about in the past when I was at my other schools. So I'll include that in the, the show notes as well, so yeah. people can connect with you. Yeah. Um, so Jamie, thanks for being on the show, and as always, John Davidson and I are going to do a wrap up and kind of share our reflections on what resonated in regards to this episode it might be great to to check in later in the year and maybe have you back on to share where the inquiry went and and uh what you what you learned so uh thank you jamie and and uh john stay put and we'll do our uh final reflections (laughs) everybody thanks for listening to this episode with jamie house and we hope you come back to listen to future episodes and now for the reflection with john and andy so, John, we listened to uh, Jamie's uh, kind of just sharing his, his learning. So, as always with these episodes, uh, each of us will share our big takeaways. So, why don't you begin? Well, at uh, Jamie's presentation earlier on this evening, we, um, we were chatting as a, as a group. And um, one colleague said, you know, we try to cover way too much in our units. And the... the the theme of coverage came up again and again and again. It's that we are kidding ourselves, trying to make sure that we cover every single little bit of content. And I believe that's neglecting the process. When a teacher has in the back of their mind, I must cover this, then inquiry goes out the window because inquiry takes time. And as Jane was saying, maybe you should allow those kids to just tinker with the idea, it's play. It's play-based learning at the beginning, you know, just play with those ideas, play with these things. Then we go on from there. And if you've got this this, um, this thing at the back of your head that I need to cover, 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 you're not going to give them time. And when I was looking at unit planners earlier on, um, I saw the ATLs that we were supposed to be covering in a certain unit. It was all five. That's huge. Why do we do this to ourselves? As his colleague says, we design those units. We've only got ourselves to blame. So shed, shed stuff off. Make sure you go deep. Don't try and cover everything. Yeah, which will ultimately give you the time needed to let the kids inquire and to take the time to learn. Yeah. Well, depth of understanding will lead to further learning. 
whereas trying to cover things at a very surface level doesn't lead to further learning. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think it was that idea of, you know, you, you often see on Twitter um, and other social media platforms, teachers sharing things that they've learned, but then, you know, they might find a great lesson plan and regardless of who their students are or where they teach or what curriculum, they blindly copy a step for step. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is not being creative or innovative. It's taking a good idea, seeing it, and then just throwing it down to your students in the exact same way. But the real value in great teaching lies in learning from somebody or something or a workshop in Jamie's case, and then giving yourself permission to tinker and create your own model or your own version of that to fit who you are as a teacher, who your students are, and ultimately what the the area you're, you're most um, in need of improving or learning on or, or needing to develop. So I think for me in Jamie's case, it was he came back right away and he was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to flip it i'm gonna do this i'm gonna try this and really gave himself permission to design his own way to do it Mm -hmm. and obviously to reflect on that throughout is an important part of his journey and any teacher who's willing to to put themselves out there like that you know there's a lot of great learning to be had and that's what he shared today so he wasn't sharing things saying this is the way to do it but more his own wonderings and his own curiosity and, and what he's tinkering with and, mm-hmm. and trying out. So I, I really respect that, and I think that's a, a, a great step to uh, great teaching, mm-hmm. actually. So, yeah. um, so there are the reflections. John, thanks for, for being here, and, and Jamie, again, thank you. Um, but we hope you come back to listen to future um, episodes of the GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.